moment to share. This is your moment to share. Thank you all for sharing. God bless you all. God bless you all. God bless you all. God bless all of you. Yeah, God bless you. bless you. God bless you, Eric Reese. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. Thank you all so much for tuning in. That's tuning in by voxwave.com and Facebook Live. I'd like to welcome you on um, for the discussion of broken pieces. I'm so excited that you have chose this moment to tune in. Um, those of you, this is your moment to share. This is your moment to share the video if you like. You can share it to your group. You can share it on your page. I'm going to be discussing my book, Broken Pieces. If you guys have never seen Broken Pieces, this is Broken Pieces. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Broken Pieces today. Yeah, I'm so honored and delighted about what God is going to do because somebody is about to be fixated today, tonight. Yeah, sometimes in life we don't understand why things happen and, and why things go the way that they do. And, and so you feel like, would I ever get it together? Would I ever make it to that place? Um, you feel like why my life is so stagnated, you know, why I can't get to my, to my, to a place of elevation or, or to my breakthrough or, or why I can't get to, um, just to see my life be right. You know, it's like someone is like, you're, you're, you're in this place and all of your life and you've, it's just been broken. It's just been broken. Can I tell you that I can relate to you? I can relate to you in that place of being broken. That it seems like nothing can be repaired. That, that nothing you will never ever get there. It feels like you're set apart. You're, you're all alone and, and there is no one there. There is no place. Yeah, broken pieces is birth from that place that place of feeling that, that place of feeling that pain and, and rejection. And, and that's, I'm gonna touch on some highlighted topics um, that God is leading me to talk to and talk about here about Broken Pieces, which is a chapter in the book, um, Abandonment and Rejection. I wanna talk to you about abandonment and rejection. 
Yeah. A lot of us have faced, I, I, I will share my story with you. I faced abandonment and rejection as a child. I was born into abandonment and rejection. Yeah. So God knew who I was when he formed me in my mother's womb. He knew that I was born to be set apart. And sometimes when you set apart, it doesn't seem like you, all, you fit in with all of the rest. And I'm so happy because now the pieces has come together to produce broken pieces. And now I'm understanding why my life had to go the way that it did, why I had to go through the things that I had to, to go through, why I had to be raised by my great-grandmother, you know, um, because she was, she was a, a, a great woman of prayer, a great woman of, of faith, and, and so, um, because God knew that my mother was young at the time when my mother had me, he knew who I was going to be. He knew that I was going to be a prophet of God. And he knew that my mother at that time in that space that she was in, she could not give me and nourish me the way that my great-grandmother um, could. Because you, you, you hear the word, once, once a seed is embedded in you, it will never go away. And so we lived our life in my grandmother's house on, on, on godly principles. It was, it was all about God. It was all about God, you know, um, reading the Bible and in church and Sunday school. And, and that was my whole life. Um, everything was positive in my, in my great-grandmother's house. Everything was positive in there. And I'll tell you something, love covers a multitude. When I tell you that love covers a multitude, because even though I was set apart, I did not miss anything. I did not miss anything. It was like I was surrounded by so much love that I did not miss the very thing that most people would have missed. And, and I'm just, you know, so delighted. This book is dedicated to her. Her name is Annie Taylor because I want her to know that even though I took the turns and I took the wrong turns in life and, and I had it, got back on the right track. And I, and I want to make her proud of me. I want her to know that everything that she put inside of me and everything that she instilled in me, that it did not go to waste. It did not go to waste. Can I tell you, it was my praying grandmother that brought me out of my drug addiction. Yes, I was addicted to drugs. I was to the point that I was down to 90 pounds, to nothing feeling a place of void when I lost her out of my life. And so now I lose her and I, I move into this house, which is my parents' house, but I, I feel strange because my connection was not there. My connection was with my great-grandmother. So I felt lost. So I come out of one house a certain way and into another house another way. And that was very difficult for me. And so I was feeling empty inside no one knew the nights that I cried at night because I wanted her back I wanted I I, I used to tell God you know take me with her I want to I want to be with her you know because I felt like I could not live my life without her my 
And so, you know, as time went on, I, you know, I started um, using drugs very, very heavy. And what really brought this on is that I came out of a place, a place of, of where I was loved and where I was cared for. And then I, I come to another place and to get there and to have my uncle to molest me. That was difficult as a child, 13 years old. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, I want you to get this, that you lose is the one that took care of you, that raised you up until you're 13 years old. Then you move in with your, your biological parents whom you don't have a relationship with to get molested by your uncle. That was very tough for me. And I didn't know how to handle it. And I didn't have anybody that I could talk to. And I didn't have anybody that I could tell. Because now I'm in this house, and I'm in this house with my siblings, and I'm in this place. And I now, because I am the oldest, I have a responsibility to them. So now my childhood and my teenage years, they're gone. They're not there. Because I had to play a role of being the oldest because my mother and father had to work to support us. And I grew up in a house feeling like an outcast, feeling like I was different. I, I didn't belong there. I was, it wasn't a place for me there. No one understood me. Nobody understood where I was coming from. It was almost like I was labeled as I was problem child because I didn't understand these things that I was going through and when I would say these things and ask questions it would just be a problem so now here I am I'm on drugs so now I'm medicating my pain at a very young age and during my course of being on drugs I ended up getting raped. I got raped. Yeah, I would never forget that moment in the woods. Yeah, someone that I trusted that I thought he was my friend. And so he got me high and we were high and we were running in the woods and he just threw me down and I said, what are you doing? And he was just taking off my clothes and I, didn't have any control over it because I was high. And so he took advantage and he raped me. Yeah, he scarred me. Yeah, that was tough. That was tough. But I still some kind of way managed to pick up the pieces. And I started living a life I didn't even know who I was. I was just living. And so when I, when I minister and I talk about, you can be living on earth, but you can be dead. I know that 
because I was just existing. I just had a routine, a role, and I was just existing. I was not living. I was not living at all. Not at all. And so because of that, that led me into my promiscuity. Yeah. Yeah. So I broke one addiction and I found another one. And when you're addicted to something, you have to be careful because it is so easy when you get rid of another addiction to pick up another one if you are not conscious about what you're doing. And I wasn't conscious. That's why right now today, anything that I do too much of, I kind of cease it. I watch my time that I'm spending even on Facebook, social media, talking on the phone, certain things, because I don't want to get addicted to something that I cannot break. So that led me to promiscuity. Yeah. I started sleeping with men to fulfill the void that I was missing inside. And you know, the funniest thing, I did not even care anything about them. I just slept with them and it was the money that I was getting that made me happy. But that was only for a moment and that faded away. Yeah, that faded away. So then I ended up meeting a man that I thought that loved me. Because I thought, wow, this is love. Now this is love. This is, this is dynamic, you know, because, you know, he's buying me things and he's, he's giving me pocketbooks and he's buying me, you know, diamond earrings and, and all cars and all of the, 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 the mm the flamboyant things of life. But that, that happiness, that faded away. So I said to myself, you know, what is this? What is this? And so it got to the point is that because of the lifestyle he lived, it was more in the streets than in the home. So I wasn't happy anymore. Because see, it wasn't the material things. That's why a lot of us, we fall into diverse temptation. And we, we think that we're in love because they are showering us with things. But love can't buy happiness. Buying things cannot buy happiness is what I'm trying to say to you. But love covers a multitude of all things. So now I'm seven engagement rings in 
three children by him. I met him. I had one and no marriage. Yeah. So I remember that moment. It was a sad moment even when I found out that I was six months pregnant and the lady that he was having an affair with, she was three months pregnant. And to learn that she was friends of my friends, that was tough. And where people were laughing at this thing and they thought this thing was okay. I mean, you, you, you know, you heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. But why would you, why would someone want to see you hurt and your heart is broken? This is why God talks about and speaks about jealousy in the Bible. It is a terrible thing. It is a very, very terrible thing. And we have to be careful being around people like that. And so now here I am. I'm six months. And she's three months. Mortgage backed up. But I had a moment. I had a moment. I had, listen, I had an encounter with God. And I remember I fell to my knees. And I said, God, I can't, I can't do this no more. I don't want to live anymore. And I, I, I tried to contemplate suicide. That didn't work. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be here anymore because I didn't want to go through the pain anymore. I was tired of pain. It was pain after pain. It was disappointment after disappointment. I was, I was at my wit's end. I had enough. And I started crying. I started travailing from my lungs and rolling over in the floor. I can remember as if it was yesterday. And I said, God, if you are God, like you said you are God, then I want you to show up on my situation. I want you to lead me out of this and give me peace. Give me happiness. I said, God, I will walk away from every single thing. With my children, I just wanted my children. And I walked away, leaving everything. And I lived in one of the richest counties there was. I was tired, guys. I was tired. I was, I wanted change. And so, and so me and my kids, we four of us, we get a two bedroom. We're living in a two bedroom. I had saved some money up and paid the rent up for nearly a year. And I was trying to find myself. 
had to try to find myself. And so God was leading me. I, I found a job. And I said, well, God, this time I'm on my way. I've got a job working in the government. I'm like, okay, God, this is it. I have made it to this place. Yeah. My kid's father now, he gets locked up. So now my youngest son, he's lashing out. He don't understand the breakup. He don't understand what's going on. So he's, he's having difficulty in schools. I'm getting calls at work. Now, I'm at a shipwreck again. I'm at a shipwreck again. Yeah, I'm at a shipwreck again. The moment when I think that I'm getting my life together and I, and I keep getting to this place, the moment that I get there is I'm, I'm facing this shipwreck again. I'm at a shipwreck again. Come on, God. Come on, God. You keep bringing me here. You keep bringing me here. And so, I remember my son came home with his papers. They nearly withdrew him from school without any consent of mine. I was young, I didn't know. And so they withdrew him from school and I said, Lord, what am I to do? And I kept taking off of work and taking off of work. And I remember we was approaching the GS-14 we was approaching a 14, and I never forget looking at my co-worker's face. I said, Michael, this is it. Because what is it to gain the world and lose my soul? My soul is my seed. And I was once that little girl that was empty and that was lost and that had pain and couldn't understand why things were going the way they were going. And so I could relate to what my son was facing. And so now I'm down social services, no job, don't know how we gonna make it. I'm applying for unemployment. So I got an eviction notice. Now I got an eviction notice. And so with eviction notice, I'm taking it down social services and I'm trying to get help for me and my babies. And they tell me, that they can't help me because I have no way to show them how I'm gonna pay my next month rent. And I said to them, man, I know I'm gonna get unemployment. I've been working under my all my life. If you could just pay this one rent for me, I'm telling you, my unemployment is gonna come through and I'm gonna be good. I will be able to take care of it. He said, no. They said, no, they said, no, we can't, we can't, we can't help you. We can't, 
You know, it's not anything that we can do. So I said, so what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with my four children? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? I, I don't know what to do. She says, wait a minute, I'll be back. And when she came back, I never forget that moment. She handed me some papers and they were papers of listing of shelters, of family shelters. And I remember looking at the papers like, are you serious? You talking about somebody that was riding in two-seater Benzes and Range Rovers and living in the richest county. Now I'm living in practically poverty. I come from poverty to glam back to poverty again. And now I'm here and now I've got to go to the shelter. I remember I cried like a baby. I cried like a baby snot coming out of my nose I said God you told me that if I seek you that you will get me back right you will fix me up in a manner that you will have me to be because I just got tired of being broken I wanted to be fixed so I was willing to sacrifice and lay my life down so that he can fix me in the manner that he wanted to fix me so that I can grow, so that I can be this flower that he has designed for me to be. A blooming flower, a flower that will saturate the earth, a flower that will bring hope to the land. Yeah. So I remember I got my last paycheck and I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to go to the right. I'm not going to go to the left. I'm not going to go back to the things that I used to do. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to trust you. I'm going, I'm going to see this miracle working God because I started remembering when my great grandmother used to be in church and they used to have me in church and they had this like testimony line this is why we need to bring the testimony back because I was a kid and I remember the testimony and they would say you know you don't know God like we know God and if you knew God you need to try him for yourself and all of this but I, I I heard the sayings but I didn't know so I said well I'm gonna try God because they were talking about this God you know he was a miracle working God and the things that he 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 was doing in their lives so I was like okay I'm gonna try this God I'm gonna try this God thing I'm gonna see if this thing really really works yeah so I remember I got my last paycheck and the Lord said to me he says I want you to put your stuff in storage. I said, okay. He didn't say I want you to take this and just give it to the, the rental office. He said, I want you to put your stuff in storage. So I remember I sent my, my, my four children off to school and I said, okay, okay. I put my stuff in storage. They came home, all we had 
was mattresses on the floor. And they, of course, they're looking like, Mommy, what's going on? And all I could tell them is, it's going to be okay. Because I didn't have an answer. I, I didn't know what, what we were going to do. I didn't know how things were going to end up. But all I could tell them is what God was telling me, that we're going to be okay. He's going to fix me up, and, and I've got to trust him. I've got to trust him. I've got to trust him with my, with my whole being, even if I don't know how. I've got to trust him. And so, my kids, we're there. We're eating. They gave me food stamps. They did give me food stamps. They gave me food stamps. And so, we're, we're eating and and doing the best we can. And so I remember waking up and God says, call that shelter. And I said, no, 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 God, I don't want to call. No, please. I don't want to go there. I've heard bad things about places like that. I've heard mouses and rats and how they do. I, I, I don't want to go there, God. I said, God, please don't send me there. Don't send me there. He said, call the shelter. I remember I picked up my phone and I called the shelter and I was literally crying, boo-hooing with the lady on the phone. And I said, I'm calling and I was telling her I have four children and she was telling me that, you know, she's going to need birth certificates and social security cards and all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, she said, so get all that together and call every day and see if we have anything available. I said, okay. Every day I would take the kids to school and I would call. At this time now I have an eviction notice. I have a notice where, where the sheriff says that they have the legal right to come and put me out of my place. So now I'm on my faith walk. I'm on my faith walk with God. Okay, okay, God, you said you're going to keep me. Now I know you ain't going to let these people come and throw me in the streets with my mattresses and me and my kids are going to be outside. I know you're going to keep me, God. So, so now I'm on my faith walk. Yeah, I can remember that moment as if it was yesterday. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And so I remember sending the kids to school and the lady called, I called that morning and she said, yes, we have a place available. So now here I am. I live from driving a fabulous car to driving a car with no heat to the fact that my hands were frozen and I had to wrap my hands up and I had to wrap my hands up with blankets and stuff and drive the car and I literally had to pull over and stop and try to go in a place and warm my hands up and go again. I literally had my four babies in the back of the car covered up with blankets and covers in the ice cold. Yeah. 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 
And I remember driving up to this place and I remember, you know, I'm looking for a shelter. I'm looking and I'm asking people, where is the shelter? And where is it? And where is it? And they said, I don't know. We, they know they got one over here. And I went in a place and all I can do was boohooing and crying because the place that everybody told me that this shelter was going to be like, I found favor with God and God put me and my kids in a shelter, but it was a two bedroom apartment. Can I just be real with you? God showed up. He showed up. So the place that I thought was going to be like everybody else said, God had found favor with me to put me in this place. And I was in this place the toughest time. It was around Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I was so limited, I couldn't get help like most people could get help because I had never been on any type of welfare or any type of assistance. And so they were telling me that, you know, we can't, we can't help you because you never been on any type of welfare and any type of assistance. I said, well, you know, I worked all my life. I've always had, I never thought that I was gonna go through this again. Yeah. So I remember, I remember calling down, I got a job. And I remember calling down to child welfare. And this was so hard for me to do. It was so hard for me to do. And I said, God, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to fight. If I got to fight blood, sweat, and tears, I'm going to fight. Because now my 60 days is almost up at the shelter, and I don't know where I'm going to go. And so how do you expect me with my four babies to find a job, to find child care, to do all this, and a place to live in 60 days, and I don't have nothing? I don't have nothing nothing and so and so my God my God my God so I remember telling the lady at child welfare I said my four babies and you can find them a place to live with some good parents and I want them all together but I want you to know that I'm coming back for my children and I looked at her and she looked at me and I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, she said, wait a minute. 
She says, I'll be right back. Yeah. And so she left. And she came back. And she was gone for some time. I said, well, where is this lady? So I'm sitting in this office room. And so I'm thinking about, Lord, this is going to be a separation for my children. And my youngest son is so attached to me. And they are only three and four years old. And then the other two, I'm like, Lord. So she comes back and she tells me, she says, I'm going to tell you this. She says, I'm going to tell you this. I've called the place. You won't be getting put out of the shelter. I've extended you 30 more days. And can you find a place that you can stay for 30 days? Because I'm going to house you and your children. Woo! And they don't know why I praise God the way that I do. I've got to praise them. There's no other way I know. Because when I was in the valley, each moment of valley of darkness, when I thought I was sinking, when I thought I was drowning, God always showed up some kind of way, some kind of way, some kind of way somehow some kind of way yeah 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 life started going you know life started going for me I started working and I will always face challenges on the job with women that's why I love on women so much because I always try to encourage them because I know what it's like to be a beautiful woman and to be hated for no reason. Now all they can see is the beautiful, but they don't know your pain, they don't know your story to get your glory. And a lot of times I used to sit and I used to laugh with a girlfriend of mine and I would tell her, I said, you know, God gave me something to look good in the mirror, to look in the mirror that looked good. I said, because my life is a living hell. And I guess he wanted to give me something to smile about. But the funniest thing is, I never knew how gorgeous I was until I was at the age of 35. And I started falling in love with me. And the reason why is because my grandmother she never let me look in a mirror. We only had one mirror in the house and that was in the bathroom. And so in the middle of writing this book, I was trying to figure out, you know, why she didn't let me look in a mirror. And I remember up as a girl about nine years old, I tried to climb on the sink and look in the mirror and she tore my butt up with a switch. Yeah, we got switches back then. Wasn't no call, no child abuse and none of that stuff. Oh no, you got your butt. And I said, 
okay, I just wanted to look in the mirror, grandma, but she didn't want me to because she was embedding my beauty inside of me. And she didn't want me to look at myself in the mirror and see how beautiful I was and have an ugly inside. So she had to plant the beauty inside of me. She had to make me whole inside and let me know that that's what matters. The outer does not matter. Because you can see beautiful women and their soul is messed up. Their soul is messed up. And so I'm grateful today that I learned that beauty is within. Yeah, it's within. And so I'm thankful for her for that. You know, and that God gave me revelation on that. Yeah, because that makes a difference because if your attitude is not right, it's gonna limit your growth and I don't care how how beautiful you are, how talented you are, how smart you are. If your attitude is not right, it's gonna limit how far you go in life. And I don't know about you, but I wanna supersede past beyond measures. Beyond measures. Yeah. So I went through life, I went through life after getting in my place and being homeless, I, fa I faced challenges. My past caught up with me because I was out trying to survive. And so I ended up getting arrested, facing 17 years in jail. Didn't know how things were gonna turn out. But I believe God. And I remember telling my lawyer If I give you all of this money, I'm going to get set out. And that was a contributing factor to my homelessness. Yeah. Because now I'm fighting for my freedom. So fighting for my freedom led me into fighting. Somebody's getting set free. The saying is you have to lose to gain. So here I am going to court, I'm skating on water, I'm going through my shipwreck, I'm in my shipwreck and I'm going through my storm. But then back here, I'm losing, but, but the light looks kind of good up here, but now, but I'm losing my home. I'm, 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 I'm losing, I'm losing, but I'm, I'm gaining my freedom, but I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing, but I'm, I'm gaining my freedom. So. Even though I went to the shelter and I got in there, I beat my case. And so I was the happiest one in the shelter. Because now I can look at my four-year-old and I can smile. And I didn't have to worry about whether he was gonna be 21 when I get out of the penitentiary. And I was like, God, thank you. If you never do nothing else for me, God, you've done enough. You don't have to do anything else for me. I'm just so grateful for what you have done. And I said, God, I promise you, I made him promises and, and declarations. And I said, God, if you get me out of this one, I won't turn back. And 
how many of you know that God will try you? He will try you. He will deliver you, but he will try you. And that's what he did to me. It was tough. It got so tough and it got so tried. Can I tell you that 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 what made me really, really, what really, really, really put the icing on the cake is when I had to wear, listen, I had to wear diapers as sanitary napkins for my babies. This, this, this has made me now want to change. I'm walking around, but I, I don't want to go back into the old way. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do the old things, God. I don't want to go. I want to pursue this ministry that you put before me. I, I want to do this nonprofit. I want to, I want to do this thing, but nobody knew that I was tired of living in the brokenness. And the moment that I give everything up now, I'm at a hard place. Satan is not going to make it easy for you to get to the next level. So now I'm, I'm here trying to get to my level of creating my nonprofit organization and and I got my coach with me and she talking to me and I'm and I got my mentors and we're going through this thing and I'm investing and I'm giving it my all and I'm saying God you gonna do this you're gonna do this but I'm wearing diapers as my sanitary napkins my God yeah yeah. Yeah. That hurt me so bad. I was crying. I said, God, how can you be God if you say you are God and you are God who you say you are God? But then I'm, I'm you got me here and I'm wearing I'm wearing sanitary napkins. I'm wearing I'm wearing leftover pampers. Listen. I'm wearing leftover pampers that I hear for sanitary napkins. And I remember, I told my daughter, I said, you know what? I'm never going through this again. So I remember I walked in the psychiatrist and I said to him, I said, you know, why do I have to keep leaving these jobs and leaving these jobs? and?" And because of these women, they getting on my nerves and I keep walking off. They're just making my life a living hell. I already been through hell. I'm just tired of hell. And he said to me, he looked me in my face and he told me within 15 minutes of that one session, he says, Tanya, the reason why you walk off that job, because it has no purpose, it has no passion and you are the type of person that needs to be on a job to serve folks to serve them he said i'm gonna tell you the type of job that you're looking for is not going to pay you a lot of money but i'm telling you you're going to grow immensely there because you have a passion and you have a purpose to do that and i says okay and so i got a job and i was taking care of this old lady and I mean, I was making 10 bucks an hour and I was the happiest one here. I just, it was just like I was going from home to home, home to home. It was just like, it was not even work. God blessed me in so many ways outside of the pay. He blessed me in so many ways. I started pursuing, pursuing, kept pursuing, 
Yeah. So this job led to another job. I remember they told me they were going to give me a bigger job, and, and they didn't give it to me because they liked me where I was. And so I remember going to see T.D. Jakes over at First Baptist Church of Glenard, and, and he said to me, he says, the enemy is putting someone in a box. And he was coming out with this book, and he says, but you can't, they won't let you out, but you can break out. And so I decided to break out of the box. And I just started applying for jobs. And I got a call. I really thought it was a joke. And they hired me as a case manager. I have no degree. I have no experience. But the greatest thing they were looking for is the thing that the devil used for my bag, and that was my homelessness. So they hired me as the homeless case manager. They began to grow immensely that they had to build another wing because I had a passion, because I had been homeless with my children. And so I was just not that case manager just gonna give you a quick fix. No, we're gonna go through the process because I'm gonna make you whole, I'm gonna get you healed. So, so if you're battling with drug addiction and you're a great chef and you can cook real good and you can make the money, we need to deal with addiction first so that you can build the foundation. See, a lot of us want to go into the thing, but you got to build the foundation. You have to have a strong, solid foundation. Yeah. And so I remember... I end up getting promoted to running a grant for a half a million dollars. Something came up where I couldn't lie on my supervisor. So I was either lying on my supervisor or out of a job and I'm like, God, I'm here again. I'm here again. Why am I keep getting to this place? So I packed my stuff up because I wasn't going to lie on my supervisor because I had a God greater than my boss. And I moved. And I remember my daughter saying, it was my son's last year of school. And I remember she said, she says, Mommy, you said when your last son graduate, you're going to pursue your dream. And I said, oh, my God. You remember that? She said, yeah. And that's how it all began. Yeah. Empowered, encouraged, ink. Yeah. God started speaking to me and he said, turn on your phone. I remember I cried so bad. I felt like I was dying inside and it must was really a rough cry. And my son, he came and he grabbed me and he held me. And he said, get up now. Where is that God that you talk about? And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. Is this the boy in the next room over here that I've been trying to get himself together? Did he get me together now? Okay, let me get myself together. So I started coming too, because now I'm amazed. And so I, I was so weak. I was so sick. I thought I was dying. And everybody that I help and everybody that I encourage and everybody that I push, it was nobody there for me. I was in my bed of affliction all alone. All alone. Yeah. 
week. And I remember I called this, this, this one girl. She was a young girl too, you know. I like young girls, you know, because they, they, man, they, they, they tell you some stuff, man. They can get you going. You be back up and you be running, you know. And so I never look from where I learn from. And so she said, you got to get out of that house. You just got to go somewhere. You got to do something. You can do it. Get up. Do it. And I remember driving out of my element, going to a movies. And I mean, I got words spoken into me from different girls at the at the restaurant to and I just started feeling better like building my strength and how many of you know that when you're building your strength you can't be talking to people with a lot of problems because if you're talking to them with a lot of problems then what it's going to do it's going to drain you it's going to kill you because I was literally thought I was dying because I just couldn't take another thing I didn't want another thing. I said, Lord, I just can't take it no more. It was just too much. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. It was tough. I know we're going in, and I know I said I was going to answer some questions. And so if you want to call in on 240-719-2560 to ask me a question, I want you to be welcome. To, to call in on 240-719-2560. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so, God was there. He was there molding me. He was there shaping me to perfect the thing that he had intended for me to do. So God had to break me all into pieces and put me back together again. It was a process. It were great losses. Can I tell you in your shipwreck, you will face losses. But your losses that you face is going to create your wins. Yeah. And I remember I found out that I was a prophet of God. I remember I was going to church and I was really getting into church. And I remember the lady stopped. She stopped me in the hall. She said, where are you going? I told her, I'm looking for a class. She says, no, you need to come here. I said, no, I'm looking for class. I said, how, much, how long is that class? She said, nine months. I said, nine months? Oh, my God, that's too much time, nine months. I'm, I'm trying to get it right, but that's too much. Nine months class. So I got convicted. And she said, okay, here's the paper. You come back and sign up. We're going to do another class on time. And I signed up for the class. And I remember as I was signed up for the class, and I remember we had a sermon. And I remember I stood in front of the class. And she said to me, she looked in the air. She said, someone is in here. It's called to be an evangelist or called to be a prophet. And you will not adhere to the call, but God will deal with you. And you will surrender to the call. I knew she was talking to me because our eyes gazed at each other. And I knew God was calling me. But I didn't want the call because 
I wanted to be right. I wanted to be in God, but it was part of me. I was still struggling with, with, with Satan things and worldly things. Like I like drinking and I, I liked it dancing and I liked partying. And, and when you come into a call like this, you can't drink, you can't party. You can't do all of those things because you've got to be ready when God call you at any moment, any hour, any second. So I knew it was going to require a huge sacrifice. So I ran. I strayed away. And I came back. Yeah. And from then on, I've been moving. I've been moving. I've been moving on a thing that God has called me to move. And I'm still facing shipwrecks. And I'm still going through things. But when I look back to where I was, and I look at where I am now, today, there is a God bigger than this universe. If you can just tab into him, tab into him, and you can just trust him, I promise you, he won't fail you. And so God had to take me through all of those channels and ins and outs so that he can give birth to the book, Broken Pieces. Yeah. Yeah. He had to take me, he had to take me through the channels. He had to take me through it. See, a lot of us don't want to talk about the process, but it's the process that is the most important thing that's going to break you and get you to the place and birth the thing that God is trying to birth out of you. I didn't see this. I never thought that I, me, will be an author. You take a drug addict, a, a whoremonger, a, a, somebody's been incarcerated and to making them an executive director of their own, of their own, listen, of their own organization. You approve me with IRS? Really, God? God can do anything. He can do all things but fail. And that's why when they see me see praise God, I mean it. Because I know where I've been. And in the middle of all this, there was some other stuff going on. But I was still pressing through because God told me, said, if you write this book, if you press through the affliction and the adversity that's going to come against you, that you write this book. He said, I promise you souls will get saved and people will be delivered and set free. Listen, those of you that are watching right now, I want you to go to Amazon.com and I want you to purchase this book. Welcome caller. Welcome caller. I want you to go to Amazon.com and I want you to purchase this book. You may know somebody that even need this book. 
Welcome, caller. You may even know somebody that needs this book. Hello. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Good. Good. This is Juanita. Juanita, how are you? I'm great. Can't wait to see you in June. Oh, God bless you, Juanita. I just want to give a special prayer for me. Um, as you know, I was, was involved with a pastor, and he was the wrong one, but I've gotten over that. Um, just want to um, be able to um, go forward, get a full-time job, and just kind of just focus on me for a little while now. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Juanita. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. And so listen, I want you to go and purchase this book from Amazon.com. If you want a signed copy of this book, then you need to you need to um, inbox me and then I can you autograph your book and ship it out to you. Okay? The book is $23.99 on Amazon.com. You can also get the Kindle version. I think if you buy the book, you get the Kindle version for $9.99. Okay. This book is going to bless your life. This book is going to bless your life. And I'm going to prophesy that it's going to get in the right hands. And I'm going to prophesy a movie. I'm going to prophesy a movie. Yeah, I'm thinking big. And I want you to come in agreement with me. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Yes, I had to suffer for this anointing. I had to go through, and I'm still going through. So God bless you, and I thank you all so much for tuning in. I thank you all so much for tuning in by Facebook Live and VoxWave.com. I want to tell you that whatever you're going through, just keep your head up and just keep going forward. And as you keep going forward, you will see yourself growing and growing and growing. Just don't give up. God bless you. I love you, and thank you all so much again for tuning in. I really appreciate you. God bless you. And